I think it's safe to say that Utah has punched their ticket to the Pac-12 championship game and possibly a trip to the Rose Bowl. We're talking the rise of Utah football and more on today's episode of Locked on Pac-12 podcast. You are Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Pack 12 Podcast and making this your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Network and available and free on all platforms. Uh, I'm your host, Cindy Robinson, former Pac-12 student athlete, and joining me today is Brian Brown from Locked On Utes. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. Brian, Utah has honestly taken over the Pac-12 um, completely dominated. And we're talking football right now. We will be talking basketball a little later, and they're not doing too shabby on that side of uh, the coin either. But right now, Utah football has probably solidified their spot in that Pac-12 championship as the Pac-12 South winners, and then could even be going to the Rose Bowl. It's quite clear that they'll be seeing Oregon as, in the Pac-12 championship. And – it doesn't seem like they're afraid to face Oregon at all. Now, Oregon may be a little nervous to go up against Utah again, and I'm sure they'll be looking for redemption after the matchup that happened this weekend. Oregon took an L to Utah, and I don't know about you, but I definitely didn't see it coming. Uh, I didn't see it coming in this particular fashion, like where it was just a runaway victory from start to finish. It looked like Utah kind of put the nail, uh, you know, in the coffin, so to speak, when Britton Covey returned the the punt, you know, with 11 seconds left to put them up 28 nothing at halftime. Oregon came out, kind of tried to fight, but there wasn't much, uh, much, um, you know, steam left in the, in that that engine uh, for them to really do anything, and it was just, it was a typical Utah performance that you'd see. You know, on a Saturday night, you just don't expect it to come against the number three team in the country uh, that was, you know, coming into Utah with all the hype, accolades, and momentum. So uh, I think it was a fun night for Utah fans, um, but also a, a, a bit of a bittersweet, you know, what could have been had, you know, this season gone a little bit differently early on. To be um, completely transparent, not only did Utah beat Oregon, but it they completely demolished them. 38 to 7. Uh you Oregon's not a team that you see shut out uh the first half. Oregon's not a team that you see only put up seven points in a game. Oregon's not a team that rolls over for anyone, even in their tough games this season, and even in their loss against Stanford. That this is not the type of game that we saw. Utah kind of like I don't know if it, you want to say expose Utah. I mean, expose Oregon or just completely demean them. <laughs> like I don't know which one is better to say. Yeah, and, and I think either way, you're going to probably offend some Oregon fans that, that are still smarting from the loss. But the bottom line is, Bruce Feldman said a few weeks ago on the Ryan Rosilla podcast that Utah's kind of like the revealer, right? Like like they're the 
the the equalizer and, and that they kind of reveal what teams are legitimate and what teams are not because they play tough physical football. And and this Utah team this season has been really young to start out with. Defensive side of the football, they've started uh, almost nine freshmen at times. And it was wild to see another freshman in Cole Bishop who stepped up to make some massive plays for them, blocked the field goal uh, there in the first half, uh, made some big hits, big tackles. But the bottom line is that this is a football team that, that's driven by Devin Lloyd on the defensive side of the ball and, and Cameron Rising on the offensive side of the ball. And you'd be hard-pressed to find two better, I think, leaders and, and players who are willing to sacrifice whatever it is that they need to do uh, to make their teams better right now uh, in the Pac-12. Um, you know, I think Oregon State's got a great football team. I love B.J. Baylor. Uh, I, I have a lot of respect for Chance Nolan game. I don't think he's playing the way that Cam Rising is. Yeah. And they have a good defense up there. Um, but there's just not really, a, you know, and, and we know how talented Oregon is, but that talent kind of unraveled there in the third quarter. And, and look, they were down a couple starters. There's no doubt about it. Right. Um, this is a Ducks team that's really had to absorb a lot of injuries. But, I don't, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and, and talk complimentary of Utah, right? I've watched this team for years. Yeah. Uh, I know all about them. I knew that this the, this was potential. I think the interesting part about it is is what does this do for the conference on a national scape? And and you know, is Utah now a darling in a sense? Or Ooh, no, no, no. I'm gonna stop you right there because those are a few things that I definitely wanted to discuss. Um, and I think we will do that coming up next because. I want to get deeper into the implications of what that meant for the Pac-12 conference, for Oregon on a national scale and all of that good stuff. I definitely weren't, there weren't a lot of happy campers about uh, Utah upsetting Oregon. So we'll get into that coming up next. For all you college football fanatics, if you haven't heard of Price Picks, now is the time for you to listen up. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. They're the leader in college sports daily fantasy, and they offer more college fo football props than anyone in the world. They offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players that you might not have ever even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of the users that deposit and use the promo code will receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code LOCKED ON. You pick two to five players and an over and under on their projections, and then you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize picks allows mixed sports entries, so you can take the over on LeBron, combine it with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Check out PrizePix.com and use promo code Locked On. Make sure you go to the App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Shout out to you listeners for making this your first listen of the day. Locked On Pac-12 podcast is available on all platforms and is completely free. Now, Brian, when it comes to Utah, one thing that I will say that they've done really well, especially in these past few games, has been uh, taking advantage of their run game. You honestly haven't been seeing as many passing touchdowns. They have been really on the ground. Uh, Tavion Thomas is one that you cannot stop talking about. He uh, had 21 carries for 95 yard, 94 yards and three touchdowns, literally carrying this team uh, over the few weeks we've seen TJ Pledger and then Makai Bernard. Okay, look, I had to make My sure guy. I said it. Bye I bye, Makai. Sure right. The first I said Micah and Brian was like, no, that is not his name. And I'm like, oh. My bad. <laughs> it's it's a tough one because you see it and you read it and it reads as Micah, but like as you get to know Makai, you start to identify why he's called Makai because he's that guy. Um, and yeah, so I I very rarely do I ever get like like very really downy on stuff. Names. Yeah, it's okay. It's that's, okay. That's when I got to stick by. me. Correct me. I have no fault in being corrected <laughs> because I feel like people's names should be said in the proper way. And if I ever make a mistake on a name, it trust and believe it is not on purpose. I am not trying to be uh, disrespectful to anyone or any way. Sometimes it reads one way or I may not know how to pronounce something. But either way, we have seen great things from that run game. And it's funny because there's a few other teams that started the season off with either the projection of having a good run game or actually surprising people. Oregon State surprised people. Um, Colorado was a team that was supposed to have Jared Broussard and some others coming up behind them, behind him to, you know, a, like really combine for a good run uh, team. And I don't know that we've seen that fully this season um, for I don't know if it's, I want to say, unfortunately for Colorado, but let me not say that because any given Saturday, right? Uh, In this case, Friday, because they'll play Friday. Utah will be facing Colorado in what will be, I guess, the in-conference rivalry for Utah. Um, There's no, I won't say there's no real rivalry, but Utah and Colorado both joined the Pac-12 at the same time and kind of subsequently became rivals in that way. I don't know that Colorado this season is of the caliber of Utah, but... Before I say that, we have seen Colorado come up and surprise us in a few games and, um, yeah, shock us because upsetting uh, – I want to say, was it upsetting Oregon State? Am I tripping? Or was it a close game with them? That, was that last year or was it no. the other way around? Let me see. Look, let me, let me go to my Googles because it's so many teams that I have to keep up with, and I tend to mix them up sometimes. It just happens I mean- we did see uh, Colorado really stick it to Arizona. For sure. Um, and, and this has been a team that's kind of been a little bit up and down. I think yes, they lost. Yes, they Oregon State in the yeah, final that's overtime. Right. That's what I thought. That's I knew right. I was Yeah, two weeks ago. Exactly. So, with that being said, Colorado's a team that can come in and surprise you. We've talked about trap games, and we've talked about how you weren't sold that Utah was going to win out the rest of their games. So far, it's been opposite of what you said. But this game could very well be the game that stirs the pot some. It's it could be um, simply because I think there's a massive letdown coming in terms of what you had to go through last week. 
um, coming into this week. And, and we saw how Utah played when they were looking ahead to Oregon against Arizona. It was not their best effort. Um, that being said, it is senior day at Rice Eccles. Uh, <laughs> he said, is- forget everything you're talking about. I'm letting you know now. Yeah. It's not happening like you think it's going to happen. So. <laughs> This one, like, I would have a real hard time. So in 2018, Utah had clinched the Pac-12 championship and then had the rivalry game, the Holy War, against BYU. Let BYU get out on, like, a 27-point advantage and came back to win that game in the fourth quarter with their backup quarterback and and a few other backup players. Uh, This is a team that I just don't see even letting it get to that point, despite the fact that Colorado is more of, like, a backyard neighbor um, this is kind of like a picnic, not really a rivalry. Like I've called it a block party before. Um, the nicest rivalry in America. Uh, maybe it's the nobody cares rivalry. Or that. Um, but I don't like to say that about our Pac-12 teams because we care about all of our teams. Yeah, it's 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 not a rumble in the Rockies. It's a picnic in the Rockies. And we're all here just to, to hang out and enjoy some good food and <laughs> And and be freezing cold because that's usually when they when they play this game. Yeah, I think Colorado's a different team because they lost JT Shroud at the beginning of the year. He was penciled in to be the starter at quarterback. Uh, Brendan Lewis has done a good job evolving. Uh, he's not the passer. Uh, he is a good runner, and I think that Colorado has gotten loose a, at the start of the season where Utah was struggling so much about uh, with the run game. I think that would have been a real big red flag. I don't know that they've seen a back with the kind of speed and juice of Jarek Broussard. And so that does give me some pause. I think uh, Brendan Rice, another very talented wide receiver. Uh, Chenault, um, not LaVisca. Not LaVisca, his brother. Yeah. Levante, right? Levante. Chenault, you know, another dangerous player. And so so there are some guys to this uh, Colorado squad. It'll be interesting to see if Nate Landman plays. I know that Landman takes playing against Utah very personally, but he's also uh, probably because um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he suffered season-ending injuries against Utah both years that he played. Uh, I know for sure in 2020 that was the case, unfortunately. He's a fantastic player, and I don't know that Utah's had to face a linebacker like him. Um, And so that could be very disruptive to this Utah run game. In fact, we saw it last year in the first half. He was the difference maker. As soon as Landman went down, Utah went ballistic. I just feel like this team is on a mission right now. And, and with everything that they've been through, you know, there should have been a point where they kind of ran out of gas. If it was all emotional, Uh, I think it's real. Um, That being said, I think if Utah is able to execute at just, you know, a normal level, they'll likely beat Colorado. Is it going to be by 24 points? Maybe, maybe not. It honestly all depends on what Colorado comes with, because I've noticed they're just a team that either shows up, or is lacking in some way. And so at this point, I think it's more on them and less on Utah. Utah has been pretty consistent. We know what we're getting with them. Um, But I think the shock of seeing a team like Colorado come with a little more force than expected could shake things up. It could, and and it's a short week, too. They're playing on a Friday. It's going to be an afternoon game. You know, Rice-Eccles has traditionally been – where teams go to die at night. Um, <laughs> at one point in time, they wanted to put a graveyard up of all the teams that they beat. Um, I think that's kind of gone by the wayside. Uh, kind of but, creative, but kind of bleak. I don't know about that. 
yeah, it's it's you know, but what really has happened is is that place and that atmosphere has become just absolutely perfect uh, for night games. And I think you saw it last week, just how well it was showcased. I mean, the way the stadium was shaking, the cameras were shaking as Britton Covey was taking back the punt return. It, like that's what you want to see in college football, right? Yeah. And I wonder if the atmosphere is going to be quite the same, you know, for this game. You have to – there's so many factors that play into it, right? And then, like, you're, there's always going to be a moron like me that eats three plates at Thanksgiving and just, like, can't go out there and play the next day. Um, you know, like, I'm being a little bit jokey there. It's any given Friday or Saturday in the Pac-12, there's a team that can beat another team. I think that's why we love the conference. Um, Utah's just a really, really good football team right now. They're just killing it offensively and efficiency. And I just don't know that Colorado, even with their best effort, has enough right now to beat this team. And and like you said, this is a team that wants to go to the Rose Bowl. They want to play for their fallen teammates. Yeah. They found ways to honor Ty and Aaron in every single game. They've made it an integral part of the program. Um, I don't know how much they show on TV, but between the third and fourth quarter, everybody holds up a light and they have a moment of loudness in honor of Ty, who never got to hear the cheers and rice echoes. So there's a lot of factors going in behind it. Um, I just I think that this is a team that wants to handle business on Friday and start getting ready for the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah. Before we uh, move on, I do want to just discuss really briefly the whole situation with Utah beating Oregon and how that has affected the Pac-12 conference on a national level. A lot of us were hoping that Oregon would find a way – to stay in that top four and make it to a college football playoff game just to show that we can still be competitive amongst the other conferences, right? At this point, Oregon has dropped down to number 11. Uh, Utah sits at 16. So it's very, 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 very unlikely. Actually, it's probably dang near impossible at this point that we will see any Pac-12 team in a college football playoff game. But... No, there's no but. I, I, I feel a little way. I'm not going to lie because I was excited, you know, for once to see a Pac-12 team there. But, okay, for you as a Utah fan, was it a matter of, like, not caring at all? Like, you know, we still want to – Utah, as a Utah fan, you still want to win. You still expect them to go out there and play their hardest. There's no such thing of trying to, like, you know, lose a game on purpose or throw a game because where is the competitiveness in that, right? And they're fighting for – you know, their own championship that they're trying to win as well. So um, your thoughts on that whole situation. I, this is like we're in the era of brand building in college football. And I think this was another night for Utah to build their brand of what they are in the Pac-12. Are they a, a Clemson? No, they're not. Are they a, an Alabama? No, they're not. They're not even a USC uh, but they are a competitive program that continues to build, that continues to recruit well, continues to develop NFL-level talent. And so why not us? That, that's that's really the mantra, is why not us as being the best team in the Pac-12? And I understand that nationally you don't get recognized um, as being a flagship program when you're Utah, right? It has to be either Oregon or USC. But the bottom line is this, is as long as Utah continues to play the way that they've played, continue to roll down to the Pac-12 championship game three out of four years now for the Utes owning the Pac-12 South. And if you really, I mean, it's three straight if you take away the COVID year. And 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 realistically, had things played out a little bit better and a little broken a little bit luckier for Utah, they may have had a chance for the Pac-12 South last year even. Um, yeah. So all that being said, like, 
I understand that the Pac-12 has needs. I think Utah now becomes the banner program for we have to expand the playoff because this is a playoff-worthy team. The problem is is that they just didn't get a good start. They didn't have a fair shake um, last season with everything going down, and they had to deal with a lot of tragedy and change. Um, yeah. Those are all excuses. I get that. But at this point in time, like, what team in the country wants to face Utah unless you're like an Ohio State or an Alabama and you know you just have more stars? But they just threw Oregon to the curb. Right. And they're the same thing. They were so. to, but the thing is, that's the argument, that Oregon's not as great as – advertise that's right. really at the end of the day what it is they're not as dominant as an oklahoma or a, a or oh even though they beat ohio state like ohio state you know what i mean the, mm-hmm. those were the thoughts there they're not considered a team of those same caliber and they were you know dispelling that they were saying yes we are and we need our credit up until that moment but to be fair michael luke had mentioned it and i can't say i 100 percent disagree with him i'm not sure that oregon deserved to be in that top four based off the performances that we've seen this season. It felt like the committee was just setting him up to fall. Like yeah. it, it was, like, yeah, we'll pay you your respect. Now go out and prove it. And they did to a degree, but not. And then not- they ran into a wall because yeah. if you're going to be the top and be in the top four, you should be dominating your conference. And they were unable to do that. So mm. we sit where we are. It is not to the fault of Utah, but to the fault of Oregon, not stepping up when they were supposed to. Let me ask you this. Assume that Utah runs the table, goes to the Rose Bowl, plays a team like, let's say it's Michigan, and just steamrolls Michigan. What's the what's the narrative going into next year, both for Utah and for the Pac-12 and for the playoff? Because my thinking is all of a sudden everybody's like, why don't we expand the playoff and give this team a chance, right? Is that enough? Hold that thought. I'm going to get back to you. I'm going to think on it, but I'm going to get back to you and we'll really d- dive into that. Um, but for those of you that haven't tried a Bill Bar by now, I need you to know that you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A Bill Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you would swear you're eating a candy bar. Bill Bars are low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of being just purely delicious. On top of that, they have so many flavors. They have coconut, coconut almond, raspberry, double chocolate, salted caramel, the list goes on. So if you want to try them out yourself and get a you know a little taste tester, go ahead and head on over to BillBar.com, and you can use LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. Okay, so back to the question that Brian asked me right before we were talking about the delicious Bill Bars. Um, I definitely do think that it's another incentive for them to consider expanding it. But I also think that in most situations in the college landscape, there goes years and years and years and years and years of complaints of suggestions to change and, you know, just pure examples of why things should change before they actually make that change. And the college football playoff system alone was is still kind of new, right? Still something they're trying to figure out, still trying to tweak, 
I don't think they're going to be so quick to tweak it based off of this season. I do think that this will be another season to note and rack up for those years and years and years that it takes to make a change. But I don't think that we will see a shift in that just next year. You know what I mean? Um, But with all that to say, Utah will more than likely start the season off with a higher ranking, depending on their returners, because, you know, they return so many this season. I don't know if we're going to have that same situation next season um, and all and et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that at the minimum, I hope that if Utah is the one that goes to the Rose Bowl, they went out. And so the narrative of the Pac-12 being weak and blah, 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 has to kind of subside some because Utah's still not the team that you expected to be in the Rose Bowl. So if they're the ones that make it and dominate against a big uh, Big Ten school, you have you would have seen multiple Pac-12 teams beat multiple Big Ten schools, right? Yeah. In this one season. And and that's I mean that's the fascinating part about this argument, right? Like Oregon was rated so high because they beat Ohio State early on in the year. UCLA beat LSU. As the season unfolded, we found out that those wins probably didn't hold as much validity. Ohio State made a ton of changes. Also, C.J. Stroud, shout out to the West Coast product who's out there balling in in, in Columbus. He's a San Diego kid uh, by birth, and I'll always claim favoritism for him. Uh, because of that, that being said, it sucks that he's not playing at like USC or Colorado or Utah or any of the schools that offered him out here, you know, UCLA, whatever. Um, someday I'll get over that. But I, I think you make the point that it, it almost doesn't matter what the Pac-12 does, right? Unless it's USC to the top or Oregon to the top, because those are the teams that are, you know, forever entrenched is like they have to do it. And if Utah does run the table and, and went out in the Rose Bowl, they do bring back Cam Rising. Uh, they bring back, uh, I think, nine starters on defense, maybe eight um, or, or eight players who have started on defense. Uh, eight of those are freshmen as well. They've played 11 freshmen on defense, so they have some talent on that side of the ball. Um, what what really is scary is this trifecta of tight ends that, that we saw on Saturday, the way that they handled – uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, who's going to be the number one pick. And, and right. it's just like, that's not argumentative. Even this, I mean, okay. That's another, that's another conversation. We have so many more uh, podcasts to come when we start talking about NFL draft and all that stuff. So I'll let that slide for now. Go ahead. <laughs> but, but that's the thing is like, you know, can you overcome some of those losses? Because some of these guys are now playing at a level where even though they have eligibility to come back, they should probably move on to the league and start making real money. Um, yeah. You know, there's also the NIL riddle to, so- to, to solve for the Pac-12. They really just haven't done a good job with it. And Well, it's new, though. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has done an amazing job with it because the sole purpose of the NIL situation is to give um, students a chance to capitalize off their name, image, and likeness and make money before they have to worry about going, you know, pro and stuff. And especially for those who may not make it, to go pro there's still an opportunity for you to make some money playing a sport right but the reason why the pac-12 isn't doing the greatest whatever is because it's still a popularity thing and it's still a thing of if you're a top athlete you know you're the one that we want to endorse so it's all the ones that are probably going to go pro and make money anyways just making it sooner and we all knew that that's what it was going to be which is why i wouldn't say i was against nil i just figured that there needed to be a way to make it fair. 
And I do think it's fair in a sense of this because it's all on you. You can make this whatever you want it to be, right? Um, if you decide to figure out how to brand yourself, because Instagram is full of people who are branding themselves with no reason or rhyme behind why someone should like them, right? They're and not there's that for... set of twins at Fresno State with all the TikTok following that got a massive NIL because they play women's basketball and they have a huge online following. And I think that initially was the whole like NIL thing, right? Like it's right. players with a following. Sorry to, to interrupt. No, no, you you're good. Cause I was going on a rant and it probably wasn't even, <laughs> probably wasn't but, even registering for people. <laughs> but I think I, you said like there, nobody's really been outstanding. I think the only team that's kind of been outstanding with it is BYU and they managed to secure scholarships for their non-scholarship players. Right. But that's the kind of thinking that a lot of these schools haven't figured out yet. And I think, you know, that's where the Pac-12 has to differentiate itself. And I think those are the kinds of things that will lead to these narratives changing is if they can do that and keep some of these guys in the backyard. But I I think, you know, this season is a perfect microcosm of why this conference is so great and so underrated because like we talked about, it it was mayhem. I mean, Oregon state went six and zero at home and and then lost to Colorado on the road, like in overtime and they made a 60 yard field goal to win it, like to, to, to tie it. Like it was just, but this I don't think there'll bonkers. ever be any rhyme or reason to the Pac-12. I think we're, they're yeah. just a school. Because think about how long it takes to build a team and really create a team, right? Unless you are already bringing in those recruits. Like, you'd have to just have some random massive year where maybe you just sign this crazy coach and this coach and everybody wants to play for that coach. But there's always going to be reasons why people don't want to go to Washington State. There's always going to be reasons why people don't want to go to uh, Colorado, Oregon State. And so you're building from the ground up, and that's just going to take time. Oregon State had a great season. Are they going to obtain five-star recruits all of a sudden? No. You know what I mean? Maybe one. Maybe they'll sneak one in there, but they're not going to all of a sudden be the Alabama of the Pac-12. And they had a great season, and, a, and it would you would ideally want to go play for them. You know what yeah. I mean? Because the I love an underdog story. I'd love to be a part of an underdog team that's growing and turn things around. You know, that's very as a former athlete myself, that is intriguing. But they're not gonna be the next, you know, whatever, whatever. So to say, said all that to say, Pac-12 is gonna maintain chaotic until someone steps up and really just dominates for a long time. It was Oregon for a long time when Chip, the Chip Kelly era, but then you know there were some ups and downs there afterwards and. It is what it is. We're working with what we work with. Um, I don't think it's the – I also don't think it's the worst thing that if if the banner carriers moving forward are teams like Utah, Oregon State, and Washington State, we're both benefactors of knowing what those campuses are like and how special they can be, right? And that's where you have to find ways to stay competitive with these SEC schools that are not in big cities. And so, you know, I'm with you 100%. Like somebody's got to step forward, I think – Right now, your best bets are, are Oregon and USC, and that dictates all these decisions. That's how we got on this topic in the first yep. place, right? Yep. And it's just, I don't want to have to root for Oregon and USC and everything. They already have all the cool stuff. Like They have everything, the uniforms, the facilities, yeah. the everything, the celebrities. I don't want to admit <laughs> that USC has really cool colors, and I want to go like this sometimes. Like, I don't ah, want to admit any of that stuff. You know? on the dark side. But... <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like they're they're doing uh, less with more than everybody else right now. So if that's the case, I support whoever it is stepping up and, and, and carrying it. And if it takes yeah. a few years 
for it to hold on, I, you know, so be it. But I think this Utah team could start to break through. The longest tenured coach in the in the Pac-12 with Kyle Whittingham. They're like I said, three or four years. They've won the Pac-12 South. They are a well-respected team nationally. They just have to have a breakthrough moment to be that program. And, yeah. the, and Oregon and USC have already had theirs. Same, same with Washington, right? Yeah. All right. Well, Brian, also, we are go ahead. This is where I'm starting the campaign. Dan Mullen to Wazoo. Okay. That's interesting. You okay? Yes. Well, see how you gonna end on that note. Oh my god. Okay. Well, Brian will be on again this week, and we will dive more into that statement. We'll also be touching more on uh, Utah basketball since we ran <laughs> out of time today, and definitely just escaped it. Brian and I can talk all day, every day. Audibles, audibles, over red over seven. Right. So um, we're going to have to cut it off here. But thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Go ahead and follow along on Twitter at LO underscore Pack 12. You can follow along the Locked On Utes um, podcast on Twitter at Locked On Utes. And then you can follow them on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Also follow brown bear slc brian brown on twitter and then me at underscore cindy robinson also you made this your first listen of the day go ahead and make one of the other conference shows your second listen of the day there's locked on sec locked on acc and locked on big 12 all great conference shows probably talking big crap about pac 12 like we talk crap about them but um you definitely want to check them out great hosted by great experts um and giving you everything you need to know about those conferences other than that before brian tries to say something else make sure you stay locked on pac 12 on the locked on network